For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, all glory be to you for the gift of your Son, the light that conquers darkness, and the only hope of the world whom you sent to save us. Along with the angels, we praise your glorious name and give you thanks for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Grant us grace and strengthen our faith that we would serve you joyfully in this, your worship. Cause our hearts to be filled with the love of Christ to overflowing. That as we serve you in worship, that that overflow in our hearts might show forth our love for you. Be glorified in your people this day, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. One of the most beloved Christmas carols of the Christian church is, O Come, All Ye Faithful. So would you please take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 208 and let us stand and sing, O Come, All Ye Faithful. be seated. Good morning. Um, Please turn to the Advent Litany in your bulletins, starting on page two and continuing on to page three. The Lord our God, okay. Yes, the Lord our God is with us and is mighty to save us. Our Advent scripture reading comes from Colossians 1, 15 to 23. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, along with the candles of hope, peace, and joy, we now light the candles of love. We are loved by God, and that love is proved through the sending of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, your love is expressed for us in so many ways. The greatest expression of that love is through your son, Jesus. We praise you for your great love for us. Amen. Pastor Reed already mentioned, we have the wonderful privilege this morning as part of our profession of faith of hearing professions of faith from our three communicant members who will be standing before you, uh, who have already been uh, examined by the session to come and to be received as communing uh, members of Covenant Presbyterian Church. So at this point, I'd like to invite uh, Gabriel Eiley, Abby, uh, Abby Hilliard, and Sawyer Van Gore, if you would come and stand right here in front of the pulpit and face the congregation. All the way up. There you go. <laughs> of the number of those who were baptized in infancy as members of the Church of God by birthright and as heirs of the covenant promises, the session has examined and approved Gabriel Eiley, Abby Hilliard, and Sawyer Van Gore, who come now to assume for themselves the full privileges and responsibilities of their inheritance in the household of faith. And all of you being present here to make a public profession of faith are to assent to the following declarations and promises by which you enter into a solemn covenant with God and his church. So I ask you now, do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope save in his sovereign mercy, do you? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation? as he is offered in the gospel, do you? Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ, do you? And do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability, do you? Do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace, do you? I had the privilege of spending uh, seven weeks with these three individuals going through the things that we believe, the good news of the gospel, and it is a wonderful testimony of their faith and a wonderful encouragement to us as a church family, to their individual families, to hear them make this public profession of faith. And so now I'm given the responsibility to charge you, and it's a short charge. It's the charge I give all our communicants because it's one of the verses that you've been called to memorize from 2 Peter 3.18 where Peter tells those Christians to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm reminded during your examination, you may remember, Mr. Jim Lewis asked, is this the end for you? And you guys all answered rightly, no, this is really just the beginning. And so the charge is for you to grow. Grow as you become members here of Covenant Presbyterian Church. 
grow by sitting under the preaching of the word, grow by receiving the sacrament, grow by being a commuting member here, giving your gifts, giving your talents, being a blessing while also being blessed by the church. It is a joy to see you up here and to profess your faith, and it is a joy, and we look forward to seeing how God will grow you here as community members of Covenant Presbyterian Church. Let me pray. Our gracious God, we give you praise. You are the one who has established your church. You are the one who has promised to build your church, and even Jesus, you have assured to us that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we thank you for these three individuals, for Gabriel, for Abby, and for Sawyer. Thank you that you have first and foremost called them to yourself, that you have awakened in them the reality of their need of a Savior and that, Jesus, you are their only Savior. Thank you for their families where they have been raised up in the fear and the admonition of you. And we pray that now as they come and as they are now full communing members here of Covenant Presbyterian Church, would you continue to grow them, make them more and more, mold them more and more into the image of Christ their Savior. May they be a blessing to us here as we seek to be a blessing to them. May they find ways to use the gifts that you have given them, even at this, these young ages, to encourage, to help equip the saints that you have called here to do the work of ministry. Bless these three, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And now, if I would, I'm going to have you three go and stand in front of the candles, and I'm going to invite the session to come forward, and they're going to extend to you the right hand of fellowship. And then you three are dismissed, and be sure to, to grab these three after the service and welcome them officially as commuting members uh, here. And now we have the privilege of, after hearing a profession of faith, of corporately together professing our faith, using these historic words from the Nicene Creed. So let us together, as the church, as the people of God, confess our faith. Church, what is it that you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father for all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
of old have sung. Isaiah told us long ago about this rose we'd find. In virgin arms we shall behold the Savior of Please join me for a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, this morning we thank you for this exciting time of year when the birth of your son, Jesus, our Savior, is brought to the forefront of our everyday lives. We thank you for your sovereign plan through Jesus to redeem generations of sinless people. We thank you for your love through Jesus that provides blessings and mercy to us every day. Father, we thank you also for providing for us, uh, your church, and we pray that you would give the officers in the congregation wisdom as we use these gifts given today to further your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first lesson, the fall of man and the first proclamation of the gospel from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. 
and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me gave to be with me. She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. As we have just heard the the first lesson reminding us of, of our fall into sin, it is good for us then to come and to acknowledge our sin, that we still struggle bearing the, the guilt and the curse of our first father, Adam. And so first you'll find at the top of page five a corporate confession, which we will read together confessing our sins, and then we'll go into a moment where privately you can confess your sins, knowing that as we just heard in the proclamation of the gospel, that our sin has been dealt with by Christ. So even as we come and bring our sin, we come with hope, and with the assurance that we are indeed forgiven. So let us first confess our sin. Almighty God, you who shaped out of nothing all that is, forgive us for returning empty-handed. You who called forth light, forgive our preference for the dark. You who sent John to be a voice crying, forgive our unwillingness to say anything at all. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And having confessed your sins, hear these words of assurance from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, which echo back to the words that we just heard from the garden, where Paul tells these believers, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And this good news of redemption, this good news that we have been adopted into the family of God is the comfort that we, a weary sin-cursed people need. So let us together stand and sing the carol, uh, hymn 197, Comfort, Comfort Ye My People.
You may be seated. The second lesson, the prophet foretells of the coming Messiah. These are the words of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, 10 through 14, and then chapter 9, 2, 6, and 7. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If you would remain seated as we sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, number 194. Just a slight correction, it's uh, 196 in your family.
The third lesson, the prophet foretells the glory of little Bethlehem in Micah 5, 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephraim, who is too little to be among the clan of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to, to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the end of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And when the Assyrians come into the land and tread in our palaces, they will rise against him, seven shepherds and eight princes of men. Remain seated and let's sing the carol, O come, little town of Bethlehem. can remain seated for the fourth lesson. This is from Luke uh, chapter 1 verses 26 through 38. This is the angel Gabriel meets the Virgin Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom 
there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Uh, you can remain seated for the next song, which is God Rest You, Mary Gentlemen, on page 8 of the bulletin. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. fifth lesson comes from Luke 146 through 56. The Virgin Mary responds to the words of the angel in worship and humility during her visit to Elizabeth. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Please remain seated as we sing our next hymn, All Praise to Thee, Eternal Lord, Hymn 219.
the sixth lesson, the account of the birth of Jesus from Matthew and Luke. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinrus was governor of Syria, and all went up to be registered, each to his own town. And, and Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, and to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while we were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. Please uh, stand for the singing of the next hymn, Infant Holy, Infant Lowly. You may be seated. The seventh lesson is the shepherds are led to the mangers from Luke 2, 8 through 16. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe, baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, great peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, these shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, for the Lord has made known, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Please remain seated for 
singing angels from the realms of glory, hymn 218. The eighth lesson, the wise men are led by the star to Jesus, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Please stand as we sing What Child Is This, hymn number 213.
You may be seated. The ninth lesson, John unfolds the mystery of the incarnation. We'll read from verse 1 through verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the mystery of the incarnation. We thank you for the reality of the incarnation and impress upon our hearts and our minds the incarnation and the necessity of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Christmas story is about the necessity of Jesus' two natures. He was fully God and truly man. J.I. Packer wrote this in his great work, Knowing God. But in fact, the real difficulty, the supreme mystery with which the gospel confronts us lies not in the Good Friday message of atonement, nor in the Easter message of resurrection, but in the Christmas message of incarnation. The really staggering Christmas claim is that Jesus of Nazareth was God made man. The second person of the Godhead became the second man, 1 Corinthians 15, 47. Determining human destiny, the second representative head of the race, and that he took humanity without loss of deity so that Jesus of Nazareth was a truly and fully divine as he was human. And I want to spend just a very brief moment looking at what John teaches us here in these 14 verses, at least some of the things he teaches us. And he teaches us of the necessity of the incarnation. In verses 1 through 14, he affirms Jesus' divine nature, verse 1, that the word eternally existed with God and was God. Then look down at verse 14. Uh, the word is identified as the second person of the Trinity. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the Father. The word, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, he was fully divine. And John also affirms Jesus' true humanity. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That refers to the incarnation, 
enfleshing something to enflesh. And here the doctrine of the incarnation, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, broke forth in human history at a particular time and took, added to his person, a human nature. He subjected himself to being born of woman. He, subject, he subjected himself to the limit, limitations of dwelling among us as a man. And from that point in history forward, Jesus is one person with two distinct natures. He is fully God and fully man, the God-man. So John affirms both Jesus' deity as well as his humanity. But why are both the natures of Christ necessary? A divine and human savior is necessary first for our salvation. If Jesus was only a finite man, his death could only pay for his own sin, a finite atonement. But the biblical doctrine of the incarnation teaches that Jesus was not merely a finite human being, he was also fully God. Thus a divine person with a real sinless human nature is of infinite worth and his atonement of infinite value and infinite efficacy is able to save an infinite number of sinners. Now, aren't we grateful for that? Our salvation depends on Jesus, our Savior, being the God-man. But we also might look at the fact that our assurance depends on Jesus being the God-man. Since Jesus has a human nature and dwelt among us, he is able to sympathize with us. He's able to sympathize with us in all of our weaknesses, even able to sympathize with us in being tempted. Because he's fully divine, he continues to serve at that right place of the throne of God, to serve as our advocate, our intercessor, our great high priest, he is able to dispense all the mercy and grace that we need. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, we read these words, for we do not have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not only is Jesus' divine and human nature necessary for our salvation to save an infinite number of sinners of which we are numbered, but it's also necessary for our assurance that we might go boldly before the throne of grace and ask and Jesus gives all that we need. These affirmations in John brings us to this question, how must we respond? And John tells us how must we respond. Look at verse 12. Those who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And what John is telling us here is that there is salvation in no other name but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is salvation only in him. There's only one way to become a child of God, and that is through Jesus. And John says, receive him. Receive his saving work that is offered. Believe on him. Trust him for forgiveness and for justification and for adoption and for sanctification. And yes, finally for glorification. How should we respond to this mystery of the incarnation? How should we respond to all that has been read, this wonderful story of redemption that has been unfolded before us today through the pages of Scripture? It is by receiving Jesus in faith and keeping on receiving Jesus in faith. And so may each one of us respond to this Christmas story, this Christmas message, this mystery of the incarnation by putting our faith in Jesus, who is fully God and truly man. And because of that, was able to accomplish everything necessary. And listen to this, to give us the right to become the children of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you 
for the clear message of Scripture that there is salvation only in Him. We thank you, our great God and Father, for saving us and saving us to the uttermost. Father, thank you for making this beautiful story, this narrative of redemption throughout the pages of Scripture clear and understandable. And thank you for the privilege of us reflecting upon it today. And may we not only receive it, but may we proclaim it to the world, both in how we live and in what we say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and take your hymnal, turn to hymn number 224 as we close out today's service by singing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Now receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.